thankful, Lord, for your grace. We're thankful, God, for your mercy. Thankful, Lord, for your loving kindness that you show to each one of us. And God, as this song says, Lord, we've come today to tell people that you love them, that you're alive and that you're well, that you sit at the right hand of the Father in all authority today. And Father, we just want to praise you. But God, as much as we can tell people, Lord, there's nothing like them experiencing your Son, Jesus. As much as we talk about Him, Lord, and as much as we can tell them of His goodness, as much as we can tell them about how awesome and how wonderful He is, as much as we can tell them, God, about how You deliver and about Your victory, as much as we can tell them about Your peace that passeth all understanding, as much as we can tell them about Your joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, it cannot be experienced unless they experience You in and of themselves. Today, God, we pray that somebody here today would experience Jesus. That somebody here today would look into His beautiful eyes. That they would have a Damascus Road experience this morning here at Gethsemane Church. That they could leave this place and not talk about how awesome the music was. Not talk about how well the message was delivered. Not talk about how wonderful the building looked. But oh God, that they could not stop talking about you and your mercy and your grace and how powerful and how awesome you are and that you are their deliverer and that you are their salvation and their rock their shield and their buckler today oh god that they might know you today jesus that's what we desire today lord that you would allow them to experience you in all of your goodness in your fullest today father that's what we pray that's our prayer today. Our prayer today, God, is that you would just be here. And Father, that you would begin to touch those hearts, Lord. And God, just that invitation to come, that invitation to come and experience you. Lord, let that be paramount here today. May you be honored. May you be glorified. May you be lifted up above all things today, God. For you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of all of our praise here today. Yes, you are, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here. Thank you, God, for all of these who have come today. As Sister Jeannie and I were talking about before the service, everybody that's here today was intended to be here today. Every single person that's in this building, though we're missing many for many various reasons, God, these that are here today, you placed here for this day, for this time, God, for this service, that they might experience you, that all of us would experience you, God. Wherever we are with you in life, whatever it is that we need, you, you are here today to deliver to us that which what we need. And we're thankful for that today. God, again, we appreciate you and ask that you just have your way in this service. That your Shekinah glory, Lord, will fill every heart, every mind, every soul here today. God, that nothing that was on our hearts and minds that we walked in here with today would hinder what you have to say. I'm praying today, fathers, we pray many times. Lord, just remove any hindrance anything God any confusion any thought that might be in our minds that would stop what you are going to do here today just remove it Lord and let your love let your love Lord fill this place and let clarity of mind and clarity of heart be first and foremost in each one of our lives today for Father when you speak we don't want to miss it when you move we don't want to miss it and God when you call us we certainly don't want to miss it so Lord help us to be attentive today and God will praise you and honor you and glorify you for everything in the precious name of Jesus our Lord and Savior we all say 
out a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. 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 I want to read a passage of scripture to you as you take your seats here today. We want to continue to worship the Lord. Isn't it good to ha- just feel the presence of the Lord? Amen. It's good to feel the presence of the Lord with some other folks other than Brother Keith and the band, although I love them. It's good to see all y'all too. Amen. We've been missing some of you guys, all of you guys. I say some because we ain't got everybody here. But it's an honor to have you with us here today. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, the Bible says, What then shall we say to these things? Paul speaking here to the church at Rome. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare, and this is what I want you to hear today. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say it for you. Amen. For you. God delivered Jesus and did not spare him for Mark and for all of us here today. How shall he not with him also freely give us what? All things. Amen. All things. Love. Amen. Love. It covers a multitude of sins. Love is everything. Love is is something that can be said an awful lot. But it's something that's experienced very little. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he didn't say that. Yes, he did. Love is said often, but it is experienced, uh, I guess, probably one of the least amount of things that you could ever think of in this world. Love is, you know, you walk up to somebody and the first thing you say to them is, man, I love you. It's good to see you. And then what do they say back? Oh, I love you too. Do we really love people, right? Do we really love them? I think that's what's missing sometimes in our churches and in, as us as individuals, right, is that love of God. That's the difference. I was talking to somebody this week about the experience, experiencing Jesus, experiencing God. And if you truly experience God or you truly experience Jesus, you'll know what love is. Amen? Amen, somebody? Now, y'all going to interact with me now. I need some help, right? If you truly experience God, you truly experience Jesus, you know firsthand what true love really is. Amen? It's called agape love. Agape love simply means unconditional, right? Without any strings attached. That's the God that you and I serve. No strings attached. He just said believe. Just believe in him and accept what he's done for us. That's all you got to do. That's true love, the experience. I was talking to somebody this past week, and this message has been very heavy on my heart. And I was talking to several people this week about it. I said, you know, it just appears in in some of our churches, you know, folks are coming in looking for something, right? They're looking for love. They're looking for something different than what they've always been a part of, what they've always experienced, right? Just about anybody could, you could walk up to, in, at least in this country, and say, tell me what church is like. And for the most part, they'll hit it right, the nail right on the head, right? You're going to walk in. There's going to be a few people shake your hand or, 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 or you know, we're going to hug you here if there's not a pandemic. In most cases, we're probably going to hug you anyway. I've hugged a few people today. But um, don't tell my wife. She'll get on me. She's a nurse. But anyway, we're going to hug some people, right? So they're going to tell you that there's a, there's a welcoming time and, and you're going to come in and, and they're going to welcome you and they're going to sing a few songs and the preacher's going to stand up and he's going to preach, right? And then they're going to sing a song at the end and we're going to give an altar call in most cases and then we're going to go home, right? And that's kind of what church is. With a few differences, obviously, because they're different denominations, different thought processes. But that's pretty much it. And I think sometimes what's happened is we, we've, we've left out the experience, right? We're... We're all about sometimes, you've heard me preach this, we're all about making sure that we get the, the temperature just right in the church, right? Uh, we're, 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 always, we're always concerned about making sure the lighting is just right in the church. You're always trying to make sure that everything's right for Facebook Live or YouTube, and you're trying to make sure that you got everything in its place and all your, all your ducks in a row, right? We're always so worried about all that. We want people, this is what we say, we want people to have the best experience they can have when they come to Gethsemane. 
Brother Billy is not with us today. Brother Billy Ray Morgan, he's not here today, but that's what he says. You know, people just need to experience the G3 experience, right? And what he means by that is experiencing God, amen? Experiencing Christ, experiencing Him, and that's what it should be about. But so many times, as I sent a text out to some of y'all this week, most of y'all probably got it if I got your number, I just said that very thing. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we'll be so focused on the experience that happens when people get here that when they leave, that's all they talk about. See, they didn't experience Jesus, they experienced man. Amen? And so, so many of our people are walking away from our church services and they're not experiencing Jesus. They don't leave here just being full or filled in His, in his righteousness and, and, and just walking away knowing that you've been loved and hugged by Christ. They just talk about the experience, right? How wonderful the building, as I said to you, was, or how wonderful this or that was. And that's all great, and that's all part of it. But we must not forget about Jesus, amen? Because that's what we need. That's what we're after. Do you remember several years ago, some of y'all are too young to remember this, and some of y'all are going to show your age like me, but somewhere back in the 80s or early 90s, Coca-Cola tried something that backfired. Coke came out with a new Coke. Do y'all remember that? Changed the design on the can, and they called it their new formula. Is that right? Y'all remember that? It was not real good. At least to me it wasn't. If nothing else, they probably should have just done it and not said anything. Because as soon as you take something that's been working very well, it, is, it has been proven. It is the, you know, we, we look at Coke as that is the real thing. Is that not what their slogan is? And then they changed that thing. They changed the can. They changed the formula just a little bit. And man, it just... It almost bankrupted Coca-Cola. They had to go back to the original, and they had to change it all back. See, they were trying to make the experience of Coke better than what it already is. But here's what I've always been told. If it ain't broke, amen? I'm going to say that one more time. If it ain't broke, amen? But y'all know us. We got to, we're going to make things better than what they already are. You can't make something better that's already better. It's already what it is, right? That's been proven. Jesus has been proven. Amen? There is none no greater than Jesus. There is none like Jesus. Right? There's no other name, the Bible says, anywhere like Jesus. He is it. He's the real thing. Right? And, and what Coca-Cola failed to realize was people want to experience that little six and a half ounce Coke with a thing of peanuts. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen? Don't you put that peanut in no Pepsi. It ain't the same. I like Pepsi. I'm not talking bad about Pepsi. But peanuts were designed to be put in Coke. I just, I'm convinced of that. Amen? It's just different. Amen? Right? So let's don't mess up that which is good. No need in trying to change things. Okay? And so when I was a kid growing up, I heard all these people talking about, have you ever put peanuts in your Coke? And at first I thought, y'all are nuts. No pun intended. You're nuts. Why would you put peanuts in your Coke? Right? First thing is when I put it in there, it started foaming. And I'm thinking, that's nasty. <laughs> it is. But heaven's right behind it. Okay? You got to go through some darkness to get to some light. Amen, somebody? Amen? Huh? Yeah. That's a whole other message. You, you, you got to go through some things in life to get to the good stuff. So you just wipe that off or blow it off, and then the good stuff's coming. So I wanted to experience that. I've been taught, told that as a young kid coming up. I said, I'm going to put some peanuts in my Coke. And I tried it, and I liked it, and y'all can tell I like it a lot. Amen? Still do. So it was the experience. 
People could tell me all day long how great peanuts was in your Coke, and I wasn't buying it. Nobody would. It don't make sense. Okay? It's like ketchup on apple pie. Why would you do that? I'm not saying that's good. It's not about the experience. But if somebody told you, you want to experience it, right? So I just wanted to try it. And so for me, it was one of those things. And then I just kind of passed that down to my kids. They've experienced peanuts in their Coke, amen, because I told them. There's no need in changing those things. But we're, we always are trying to, to change the experience, and we're wanting to mess with it, right? And, and we're trying to enhance it because for some reason we feel like people, you know, Jesus just needs some help. You know, Jesus, you're a little dusty. You know, you, you, you've been here, at least in the physical form, you've been gone for about 2,000 years, and you've been here since forever, right? There's never been a time that you weren't, so you're a little stale, right? So we're going to just, we're going to doctor you up just a little bit. And so we start playing around with these things, and people are leaving empty because we're not giving them Jesus. We're not giving them the real thing. We're not giving them that love and that experience, which takes me to John's Gospel, chapter 8. Uh, verse 1, we're going to read verse 1 through 11. But the story is pretty simple here. I'll read it. We'll read it. We'll read it together. I think they're going to have it on the board here. Brother Kevin, I think you got those notes there. If you don't, I'll pull it up here in my Bible. I think he's got them. One of them got them. Anyway, while they're finding it, I'll tell you about the story. Well, we'll just read it. How about that? Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives sits just outside the walls of Jerusalem, the old city walls of David. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, speaking of Jesus, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down to teach them. Jesus did. Verse 3. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had sat her in the midst of all of them in front of Jesus, this is what they said. They say unto him, Master, which translates teacher, right? He was teaching. This woman was taken in adultery. In fact, she was taken in a very act of adultery as it was happening now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned but what sayest thou right now they did this the next verse says trying to trip him up and trying to get him all twisted up and make him go against the law of Moses so they'd have a reason to come against him and claim that he was being blasphemous the Bible says here in verse 6 this they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him a reason to accuse him but Jesus stooped down, and with his finger he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And I've preached on this before as to why he did that. We won't get into that today. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. If there's anybody, Jesus said, as he looked out at that congregation of men, the church. right? These were Pharisees. This was the religious church of the day. This was Gethsemane or Church of God or whatever. This was the church in Jerusalem of that day. And they just threw her down in front of Jesus and said, What do you want me to do with this old woman? Amen. What do you think we should do to her? She's just an old rank sinner, right? And Jesus just stooped down and wrote on the ground. He just basically said, I hear you, but I ain't listening, right? You're asking me what I want to do with her? Here's what I hear Jesus in his mind saying. I want to hug her and I want to love her and I want to tell her she's somebody. Amen. Why? Because that's his child. Amen? Think about if one of your children does something wrong. Think about if somebody brings somebody to you, brings your child to you when they say, I caught him in the very act of swigging on that old Jack Daniels. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to take him from him, put him in my house. I'm going to feed him. We're going to sober him up. I'm going to love him. Now I'm going to chastise him. Right? I'm going to tell him I think what they're doing is wrong, that it disappointed me, and I'm going to show him where it's wrong. But I'm not going to throw him out with the bathwater. Amen? As we say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're not trash or garbage. That's my child. Amen? 
So I'm going to love them. So Jesus here just writes in the ground. And he looks up at them and he says, let me ask you guys a question. Have any of you ever sinned before? I'm going to ask you the same question here today. Have you ever sinned before in your life? Raise your hand. <laughs> if I had six hands, I'd put them up. I ain't got enough hands. None of us do. Did Jesus throw you out? Did he? Do you know how many times this old fat preacher, and I am a pretty big guy. Y'all, I'm in a double X. <laughs> I started to put on my Smedium shirt this morning so it looked like I'm a, weight, a, weight, a builder, a bodybuilder, but all my muscles here. <laughs> See, it wouldn't look good. Y'all wouldn't appreciate appreciated it. <laughs> That's, I don't know why I went there, but I did. Okay. But look, I can't tell you how many times I walked into a church and walked out of there still the same sinner I was when I walked in. I can't tell you the times that I went to church, asked God to forgive me, and I believe he forgave me, and I walked away, and I did the same thing again, or something totally different. But Jesus still loves me. Amen? He still loves me. I'm thankful that I went to a church somewhere someday that said, you know what? Jesus is not happy with the things that you're doing, but Jesus still loves you. And Jesus forgives you. And Jesus wants you to live your life right. Not just so he can say, look at how I, made him, how I controlled him, but because he genuinely loves you, right? And he wants you to live in joy and peace and harmony. And he wants you to make heaven your home. The reason he wants you to make heaven your home is not so we can walk on streets of gold and see walls of jasper and gates of pearl and all those things that we think about. The reason he wants you to make heaven your home is so you'll be with him and never be separated ever again. And that you'll not have to go through any more trials and tribulation, but that you'll have a peaceful life. That's why. So Jesus said, if there's one of you guys that hasn't sinned, let's start talking about that first. And then we'll get to this lady here. He said, you guys cast the first stone. Now look at what happens next. In verse 9, the Bible says, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the eldest, because they should have known better. Amen? They should have known better. They knew the law. I guess I got to touch on it because it won't make sense to you. They knew the law. See, the way it was in the Old Testament, the reason why Jesus wrote on the ground was what would happen if somebody was caught in a sin, they were to be brought to the temple first and foremost. So these guys were wrong in sin and the fact that they did not take her to the temple. Right? They, they didn't even go where they were supposed to go with this situation. They just, right here, on, right here outside, the, outside the area here, Jesus was teaching. Here they are. They threw her on the ground and said, what are you going to do with her? Should have took her in. When that happened, you had the high priest and what he would do, he would write whatever was going to happen, her punishment on the, on, the, on the wall, if you will. And that's how it was. Go back and read it. That's what was supposed to take place. Okay? Not only was the woman supposed to be brought, but the man was supposed to be brought forward as well, not just the woman. So three different things are taking place here out of context. So when Jesus wrote here on the floor, they understood that he knew the law because he was writing what was supposed to take place. Now, I don't know what he wrote, but i got to believe he wrote what their punishment should have been for what they were doing, what they were doing wrong in this situation, okay? So Jesus writes on the ground, says, y'all go, beginning at the eldest, this is why they knew they were wrong. They all began to leave, even unto the last, the youngest. And Jesus was finally left alone, him and the lady. Before we ever get deep in this message today, I want you to understand one thing. I wouldn't be too concerned about what your friends think you should do. Okay? Because in the end, it's going to be you and Jesus. 
I wouldn't be too concerned about what you think your family thinks of you because in the end, it's going to be you and Jesus. I'm not saying we shouldn't listen to friends or listen to family, but ultimately the decision is yours and mine. Okay. Ultimately, when I stand before Jesus, He's not going to say, your friend this or your mom this, your dad that. He's going to say you, me, right? Here, after all that's over with, the only people still standing is Jesus and her. Jesus and her. It's all about you and I in Christ. Amen? It's all about that experience. It's all about Jesus. He's left alone with her here. And Jesus lifted himself up. He stands. He sees no one but the woman. And he said unto her, Woman, where are those that accused you? Hath no man condemned you? And she takes a quick look around and she says, No man. There's nobody here, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This can only be experienced. I can tell you about it all day long. But until you do what she did, she just looked at Jesus and said, There's nobody else here. You know what I've done, right? It was, it was put right out there in front of Jesus. It was laid right out. Here's, here's my sin. Here's what I've done wrong. And Jesus said, yep, you did. But I love you. and I'm not going to condemn you. Just don't go do it no more. You're forgiven. That's agape love. That's the experience. Too many of our churches today, including this one at times, if we're not careful, we want to give motivational speeches. Is that right? We want, to, we want to say things to you, and I do want to do that because Paul said, if I come to you with heaviness of heart, who's, who's left among you to lift you up? Absolutely, I want to try to encourage you and lift you up in Christ. But if all I'm doing is itching your ears, as Paul said, and we're not giving you the truth, and the truth is Jesus, then what good is it, right? It's just vain words. You'll leave out of here feeling pumped up and great, right? And you'll just feel like you could conquer the world, but as soon as you walk out those doors in the very first time, that you're met with adversity, you're just going to crumble because you never got Christ, right? You, you got to get, you got to build upon a solid foundation, the Bible says, which means Jesus is the chief cornerstone. We must build upon him. That is the, simply the, the relationship, salvation in Christ. From there, when you and I come to church, we come to worship him and honor and glorify him, but then we come to learn from him or learn about him. That it, would that it would strengthen us and encourage us. And then we build on our weapons for warfare. Amen? We're able to take things in that we can go back out and we can fight. Amen? That we can go out there and we can help somebody else. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But if I just come up here and all I'm doing is, is telling you about health, wealth, and prosperity, if all I'm doing is telling you, you know, God wants you to be healthy and God wants you to be rich and, 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 and just all these different things, that's all true. But, but what I need to tell you is God wants you to get saved, amen? And God wants you to live a good life. And the only way you can do that is in Him and to grow in Him, amen? That's, that's the key. It's experiencing Christ. Now, there's some things when you look at this story that I found that was really interesting. Um, and I want to just give a few of them to you here. The results of experiencing Jesus, okay? Here's, here's what happens when you experience Jesus. These things should be in our lives, right? When you experience Him. It's the things that you should have experienced in Christ. Again, the first thing that she did here was she felt the love. Is that right? Man will condemn you, but according to God's Word, Jesus came into the world to save that which was lost, not to condemn them. 
The Bible says that, right, in John 3, 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Is that what he said? That's what he said. So the first thing that you're going to feel when you walk into Jesus' presence is love. We preach and teach, I think subconsciously sometimes, that the first thing you're going to feel when you get in God's presence, if you are a sinner, is condemnation. Hmm. But the Bible said he didn't come to condemn us. What we feel is a guilty conscience, but you feel love. I could never explain that to somebody. When I would go to church and I was sinning, man, I was, I was bad as anybody. And I would go to church, I would feel conviction from the Holy Ghost, but I felt love. When I walked out of there, man, I felt love. That's what I felt. That's Jesus. Jesus here loved this lady. He didn't condemn her. The first thing she felt was love. It's the way it should be. If you walk into a church or you're around somebody that claims to be a Christian and what they're saying to you is not about love, you might want to take a look at where you're at. Amen? If all you're hearing is condemnation coming back at you and just venom coming at you, I don't know that there's any of God in that. Amen? God's love. His word will, con word will convict, but it convicts in love. Jesus grabs you and hugs you. Let me explain how I see this. When I, when I was a kid, I've told you all this, I grew up in a family, I grew up in a time, I know I'm old, but I grew up in a time where they would spank you, okay? And I know, everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> I grew up in a time when that's what they did. And I wasn't beaten, and I wasn't uh, tortured, and I wasn't uh, abused. I just was spanked, okay? That's just the way it is. I told you all, if it had been time out when I was a kid, boy, I'd have had a field day. <laughs> time out. <laughs> It works for some. This one, it wouldn't have. So anyway, here's how I see God. I want you to understand the heart of God today. As I'm just a simple man. I'm from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Grew up in Ware Shoals area, right? So I ain't real smart. But I'm going to give it to you the best way I understand it. My daddy, when I would do wrong as a child, my dad would walk in and my dad would spank me. Okay. And he would be telling me, Brother David, this hurts me worse than it hurts you. And you thought like I thought what? It's crazy. Isn't that right? Give me the belt. Let's just see. <laughs> but my daddy would spank me, and if he's watching today, he'll tell you the same thing, or you can go ask him. My dad was about 6'2", about 250, big man. And he would spank me, and I'd watch him crying the whole time he spanked me. Truth. My daddy would cry as he spanked me. And when he walked out of that room, I'm crying, he's crying. I still didn't know why he was crying. <laughs> Till now. He'd shut that door, and I'd be in there just a bawling. And I would hear on the other side of the door, my dad sobbing. Sobbing. And then in about 15, 20 minutes, he would come back in the room and he'd pick me up, put me in his lap, and he'd hug me, still crying. And he said, son, do you know why I did that? I used to hate that. I used to say, don't come back in this room and hug me, you old hypocrite. <laughs> you can't love me if you just beat me in the inch of my life. <laughs> and he'd hug me, and he'd keep his arms around me, and he'd just squeeze me. He said, son, I love you, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm doing what I'm doing because I want you to do right. I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made. And he'd just go on and on, on about that. Right? And then he'd walk out and, you know, we'd go on and have life again and everything would be okay. That's how God is. He don't, 
He don't correct us because He's condemning us. He does not correct us because He hates us. When God has to chastise us, it hurts Him. He loves you. He loves me. He wants to bless us. And because He wants to bless us, He has to chasten us sometimes. The things that we do, the reason He does it is to try to get us back on that right path that we don't miss heaven and that we don't miss the blessings here. So if you're ever somewhere in a church or around somebody that's telling you they love you and they're saying or doing what they're doing to you and you're not feeling love in it, I would question that. There should always be that feeling of love. Even when there's, when there's conviction from the Holy Ghost, it's love. Amen? It's love first and foremost. There's acceptance, I think, that's given as well here. Acceptance. Jesus accepts everybody, no matter who you are, right? These were Pharisees. Sure, they were welcome. But so was this woman that was, that was caught in this very act of sin. Look, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that right? I used to think when I was first saved that everybody that was in church that were Christians had halos on their head. And those people made no mistakes. Everywhere they went, there was a band of angels behind them serenading them. Amen? I mean, I, just, I could almost vision. I used to sit there and look at them. I could just about visualize these white robes, these, these little gold dots behind their head. And, man, these folks had it going on. Right? These folks had it, you know, they were always smiling and always happy in church, right? The people were always up in the front for the most part. You know, they were happy, they were excited, right, by what they were doing. And I thought, man, how do I get there? And I'm just struggling, right? Life is a struggle. Do you agree with that? I'm just struggling. Finally, somebody told me, said, Mark, you do understand you're still living in life because I was just having a hard time. I mean, I had some good times and then had some bad times and good times. I mean, it's just up and down. But, you know, not, every, not everything's perfect. We've all sinned. Even those people that I thought were perfect weren't perfect. They were serving a perfect God that loved them perfectly. They were trying to live perfect, recognizing they might make some mistakes here or there. But because of perfection in Christ, they could just say, Lord, forgive me and walk away. Amen? And try not to do it again. That's, that's love. That's what the cross did. Not that he wants us to sin all the time, but if you do make a mistake, Lord, forgive me. And he's just to forgive us. There's acceptance in Christ. All are accepted. Amen. You ever been in a church or you ever thought yourself, uh, I sure hope none of them people come to church with us. Don't raise your hand. Uh, I sure hope them folks, I don't know what we'll do if some of them start coming to church with us. You ever said that? I don't know what I'll do if such and such down the road, you know, he's a bad drug addict, boy, I'll tell you what. Some, I seen him talking a street sign last week. Shaking hands with it. Hope he don't come. You know? Or you know what? That person over there, boy, they stink. And my goodness, I hope they don't come. And, right? With Jesus, everybody's accepted. That's, the, one of the, that's one of the things that God showed me when he showed me to start this church. He said, Mark, you make sure that you, you open them doors and you accept every single person that comes through them. And you love them. Don't compromise the word. Amen? The word is the word. Wasn't there a song about that? Word up. Amen? But don't compromise the word, but open them doors and accept everybody that comes through them. Accept them. That's key. Because here's what God showed me. That first church you walked in, they accepted you. And you were no better than anybody else. Is that right? Everybody. See, we want to categorize sin. Is that right? We're going to categorize it. So, Here's the ones I can deal with. If you steal a candy bar, yep, you're good. Uh, you break the law of speed and you're good. 
Uh, you know, if you, we, we got these category, categories. Now, if you kill somebody, don't you walk in our doors? Amen? Uh, you know, if you do this or that, if you, if you hurt some child or whatever, now that's my hard one now. I'm telling you all right now. I love everybody, but I'm going to have to have the Holy Ghost keep me throat punching somebody that does that. That's just me. But I have to love them. Amen? Because God don't see no sin differently. Mark does, but not, God don't. Nate, Nate spoke one time, never forget it. You know, Nate, I give him a hard time. He never had said a whole lot of great things, but in my mind, he might just tell him that. But he said that one time. He said, he said, you know, he was speaking to our church. He said, from this view, we see people different heights, right? Some 6'5", some 5'3", some 3'2", some whatever, right? And we see different levels. But from where God's at, his point of view, all he sees is the top of our heads, and we're all what? Is that right? That's true. Amen? So acceptance from Jesus should be there. Love from Jesus. As I said to you, no condemnation in Christ. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to set you free. With Jesus, there should be forgiveness. Amen? Forgiveness. And if Jesus can forgive, let me ask you a question. Can you forgive? Now think about that. We as people can't forgive people, but Jesus, who created the heavens and the earth, who created, take a look at the person sitting beside you, in front of you, behind you, real quick. You know who created that person? Mom and his daddy, no. God did. Amen? He used the avenue of mom and daddy, but God created them. So if God created every one of them, and God can forgive every single person you just looked at, why can't we? Well, that's different, preacher. <laughs> you know, God's God. He can do that. Now, he didn't make me to forgive people. Yeah, he did. He said, forgive lest ye not be forgiven. That's what he said. Judge not lest ye be judged yourself. How can you say that you love me, God said, whom you have not seen, but not love your neighbor whom you have seen? Is that what he said in his word? Come on, somebody. So, if you love, you must forgive because that is an attribute of love. Okay? So you must have, an, with Jesus, if you've experienced him, there should be love, there should be acceptance, there should be no condemnation, there should be forgiveness, and then there should be encouragement. God is pulling for you. Amen? God is your biggest cheerleader. Jesus is your biggest cheerleader. He paid it all that you would have all the equipment you need, right, to make sure that you win. Every single person in here, if nobody else cares about you, if nobody else uh, lifts you up, if you feel like everybody else is putting you down, that you've always had an uphill battle all your life, that may be so in the physical sense, but I'm telling you, Jesus is pulling for you. He's counting on you. He is hoping that you're going to make it. He's trying to do everything he can to get you there. Amen? He wants you to succeed. He wants you to succeed so much that he died for you. Amen? But he didn't just die. He got up. Amen? He conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's the key. Okay? That's how much he loved us. Yes, he died for us, but he conquered death, stood, lives today. 
And the Bible says that same power to raise Jesus up is going to raise you up and raise me up. He loves you. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in His sight. Amen? Amen? Jesus loves me. And He loves you. If nobody else does, He does. This lady right here was, was feeling that and experiencing that, that, that at that very moment. She knew if nobody else loved her, Jesus loved her. Jesus didn't love her for what she could do for him. Remember, she was out here doing things that weren't, weren't, weren't pleasing to man or to God. But Jesus didn't love her for what he could do for her. He didn't love her for how much money she had. He loved her because she was his anyway. Amen? You belong to God. I belong to God. You were bought with a price. The price of Jesus' blood, there's no greater price. None. What does the Bible say? No greater love has any man than this, that a man would lay his life down for his friends. He gave the ultimate, the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. He loves you. Amen? God loves you. It's the experience that he's hoping that, that, that you will Step out into and trust and try. In John's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 12, the Bible says, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have, light, have the light of life. Jesus simply said to them, he said to her, I'm it. I am love. Experience me and you'll know what true love is. L let me just tell you something here and I'm going to try to close. True love is not found in some man. Did you hear me? Ladies, look at me. True love is not found in some man. True love is not found in some woman. Men, amen? True love, we're all looking for true love. I'm not saying there's not love that's found between a man and a woman. It is because God instituted it. But if you're looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love. I know y'all were thinking, I just figured I'd sing it. If you're looking for love in those two places, you're going to come up empty every time. Because man can only fill a certain void in your life to a certain level. Love's not found in money because money can't buy you what? Happiness. You know how we know that? Because we've tried it. Somebody's tried that and we realize no matter how much money you have, I heard somebody, I could just hear it in your voice, I'd like to try it. But we know it don't work because we've, we've tried it, we've experienced that. It'll only take you so far and there's still an emptiness. True love cannot be found in your, in your job. Some people are, 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 are they're, they're career-minded and everything revolves around that. If that don't go well, their life's falling apart. True love can't be found in the things of this world. True love can only be found and experienced in Jesus in Him only well preacher I've tried Jesus I've went to the altar and I've prayed I've read my Bible I, I, I've got up in the morning and prayed I, I've tried to go to small groups I've tried to just I, he said, I, I've heard people say I've poured myself in church there's your problem don't pour yourself into the church you pour yourself in Jesus who is the head of the church if you pour yourself into Jesus you will experience true love I'm not saying you shouldn't pour yourself into doing things and getting involved in church, but we got to do it in the right process. It's not church first, then Jesus. 
It's not my family first, then Jesus. It's not my career first, then Jesus. It's Jesus first, and then what did he say? Come on, somebody. Help me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of the things will be added unto you. Amen? You want to experience true love, get Jesus in your heart. He'll send you somebody. Amen? If you want to be wealthy in this life, experience Jesus. And he said, I'll open windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you cannot contain. Amen? You with me? Seek you God first. And he said, I'll add other things unto you. That job that you want, I got one for you. And it'll be good. You won't feel like you're walking to Alcatraz every morning. My dad said, son, if you ever find a job that you enjoy, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm still looking for it. Amen? I'm still looking for it. But God can give you that, right? But it starts with Him. It starts with experience. The only thing I can say to you today, and again, it's better felt than tell, right? As old folks used to say, I'm going to tell you today that if you will give your heart to Christ, if you will give your problem to Christ, when I say give it to Him, I mean... You walk up here, you put it down here, and you put it in his hand. You say, I have dealt with it long enough. I can't do nothing else with it. It's yours. Okay? If you will give that to him, he will fix it. Amen? Because in giving that to him, it shows him that you believe and trust in him. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do our part. There's an obligation on our part, too, to do all we know to do. Right? The Bible teaches us that. And then let God do what God's going to do. I'm going to tell you that if you give your heart to Jesus, that you will be blessed and loved beyond measure. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to have difficulties because you will. But I'm going to tell you that he won't leave you nor forsake you. And you've got somebody in your corner that will help you through that. Amen? Listen. In order for light to be seen, there must first be darkness. If you and I, as individuals, want to see greater things in our lives, if you want to experience greater things, if we want to see greater things that the Bible says we're going to see as Christians, we got to experience some greater things. Amen? Did you hear what I said? If you go back and look at all these people that we lift up in the Bible as wonderful people, and they were, and great people, I'm going to give you one. Paul, Silas, we were just mesmerized at how God just opened their shackles off their hands and their feet and they fell to the ground immediately. And the doors of the prison opened and they were able to flee out and the victory was theirs. But we don't realize and stop that they were beaten. They were thrown in the bottom of that pit down in the worst part of that jail, left there to die. They had to go through some things to see greater. Amen? You and I, if you're a child of God, God has to use light to illuminate darkness. Where does he say the light of the world lives? Right here. So if you have Christ in you, doesn't it make sense he's going to put you somewhere where there's darkness so that you can light up that area, illuminate it so people can see the way out? You with me? What you experience sometimes in life is not God punishing you. It's God using you. He's using you to illuminate the area for somebody they can see where danger is and know, come this way. Come this way. I'll lead you. Right, I'll lead you the right way. Jesus, amen? It's all about the experience. I want you to bow your head with me here today. I am so excited 
that you're here today. I'm going to use a 70s and 80s word. I am stoked. Amen. That you 